a seat. If you haven't already, take a seat. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, man. What's up, Citizens Youth? How are we doing? Yeah. Yes. Let's go on my hype train right in the middle. Guys, tonight is Wednesday night. It is the best night of the week. We're so glad that you made it. Come on, give it up. Wednesday night, best night of the week. Let's go. I can't be the only one hype in the room. I can't carry the whole room, guys. I need, I need some energy. It is a first Wednesday. And man, I'll tell you, a couple months ago, we, want, we went on a retreat with all of our student leaders. Our student leaders, by the way, they're juniors and seniors that uh, help us out around here at Citizens. They learn how to become leaders. They do a bunch of awesome stuff for us. If you see them around, tell them thank you for your hard work and for serving our ministry well. Um, but we had a retreat a couple weeks ago. And um, we came up with a few ideas. We talked about this idea of First Wednesday. How can we do something super, super fun, something similar to Spirit Night like you had a few years ago? And like, how can we kind of capture that energy again? And we gave them the task of coming up with ideas for First Wednesday. And there were some really good ideas. There are some interesting ideas, but there were really good ideas. They were all really good. I was really proud. But there was one idea that, you know, mentally, sometimes you hear an idea and you're like, hmm, I wonder how that one's going to work. There was a young man, I won't say his name, but it was Keegan Turnage. And um, did I say his name? I was just thinking it. Sorry. That's so weird. Um, and Keegan Turnage goes, all right, here's an idea. He doesn't do this. He's not like an 80-year-old man. But he's like, all right, what if we did chicken night? And I was like, oh, tell me about chicken night. And Keegan goes, it's everything chickens. And that's all he said. And I was like, okay. And he had a few ideas about chicken fights and some random other things. And it slowly morphed a little bit into nugget night. And I was like, November nugget night. We got to do it. We got to make it happen, which is what birthed what we saw today. And you'll have the opportunity to vote on the best chicken nugget after the sermon. But all this to say, if your first time in the room tonight is right now, if it's your first time ever at Citizens, I'm super glad that you joined us. This is the time where we open up our Bibles and we learn from God's word. The really crazy thing about the Bible is we believe that God wrote uh, the inerrant word of scripture that we all have before us today. And that when we open up the Bible and we listen and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, we actually hear from God himself. What? I know, it's so crazy, right? This isn't just my interpretation of the text. This isn't just my understanding. This is the actual word of God written on notes and written on pages and paper for you. So open up to Ephesians chapter one. If you don't know where Ephesians is, it's uh, closer to the end of the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, New Testament letters written to the church survived over the course of nearly 2,000 years. And we have Uh, God's word right before us. Man, um, we're super glad that you're here. We're starting in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14. You can read that for us right now. Verse three says this in Ephesians chapter one, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved." Man, there's a lot of theology to unpack here tonight. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by the way they answer a few questions. Have you noticed that? You can like tell if you're going to be friends with someone or if you're not going to be friends with someone. All right, for example, 
Um, I make, I, I don't make friends very easily because of this one thing, you know, common icebreakers, like what's your favorite, like dessert? And my answer is I don't like dessert, which is true. I know, I know. I know I've just alienated everyone in the room. That is something that people learn about me and they're like, I don't know how to be friends with you. It's true. I don't like, like when people, I don't know, cookies. I like, okay. I like sweets, but I don't ever like want to have them. Does that make sense? Nobody understands. I know, I know I'm a weirdo. Anyways, you can learn that about me and you might make some judgment about me. Um, For example, all right, here's another one. If you came up to me this week and said that you're a Houston Astros fan, like Paul Ireland, get out. Um, Hey, hey, listen, Paul, I know, I know. I'm watching on my phone as we speak. Um, You think that's a joke, but... um, if you told me that, like Paul just did, I would be so angry and upset, even though I love Paul to the bottom of my heart. If I just met him, I would swear to never be friends with him ever in my entire life. I know, extreme, right? Go Phillies. Um, all this to say, you can learn a lot by someone by what they think or what they say about certain things, right? Whether you're both dog people or cat people, whether you both like being outside or you like hanging out inside, whether you're introverted or whether you're extroverted. But there's an old saying that says the most important thing about you, the most important thing that you can think in your life is what you think about God. They say the most important thing about you is what you think about God. And I think that's true. What you believe about God in the spiritual realm. I think that's absolutely true. It tells you so much about who you are as a human being and as a person. But here's a really interesting question that we're going to ask ourselves tonight and over the course of the next few weeks. What is it that God thinks about you? What does God think about you? Right? We focus a lot on how we should think about God and rightfully so. But you know, the Bible actually has a few things to say about you and me. The Bible actually tells us a few truths about us that should sustain us and bring us through this life. The Bible has a few things to say about you and I that the world's not going to tell you. The Bible has a lot to say about God and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. And while it's important we know what we believe about God, I think it's really important that we know what God believes about us. I think it's important in moments of anxiety and stress to know exactly what God thinks of you. I think it's really important in moments where you look at yourself in the mirror and you just think you're ugly or you think you're overweight or you're too skinny or just something's wrong with you. I think it's really important in those moments to know what God thinks about you. I think it's really important in moments where you're embarrassed, you're anxious, you're lonely, you feel like you don't have friends, whatever it may be, to know exactly what God says about you. And over the next three weeks, we're going to do that because I think that we have a complete identity crisis on our hands where people are forgetting who they are in Christ. And because of that core belief that God loves you, he cares about you, and he has a few things to say about you, there's a few things he would say to you. Um, Because we forget that, we fall into spirals of sin. We uh, we fall into spirals of isolation. We fall into spirals of uh, things that aren't truth that cause us to look at ourselves in the mirror and think things that God doesn't want us to think about ourselves. So what does the Bible say about us? God has some awesome things to say. I think that if we believed the things that God says about us, we would have more peace. There's three truths tonight. Three truths from this passage that changes how we see ourselves, how we see the world, and how we see God. Three truths that can change your outlook, your attitude, and your beliefs about who you are and what you're here to do. 
You are not here to produce things and to earn lots of money. You are not here to look your best and sound your best or perform your best. You are not here to make a million friends or whatever in this world. You are here to reflect the image of God, to be one with Christ, to me be holy and blameless like him and to reflect his image all the days of your life. And that's what we see here in the first few verses. It says, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so a few things about the New Testament letters, right? If you've been reading the Bible a little bit, you may know this. Um, New Testament letters are really dense. There's lots of theology in them. There's some crazy things that are said in them. And I would encourage you to read through some of this passage again on your own in the next few days or next few weeks. Uh, But there's three truths that I think pop out of the page for us um, here in these uh, verses. Now, of course, this is like a doxology, which means this is a praise of God starting here in verses three through 14. Actually, in the original Greek, this is something I learned, which is kind of a fun fact. This was all originally one sentence. It's almost like a poem. It almost flows out with just beautiful praise of Jesus. This was written by a guy named uh, Paul, whose life we heard about in the story of Acts, life who was uh, radically changed by the gospel. Look at what verse four says. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his Will. Now, this is a really crazy, beautiful opening here. This is a prayer of thanksgiving and a theological mind bender. God is writing to a church. Um, Paul specifically is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a church to remind them of their standing before God and to praise Jesus for what he has done. We learn things here. We learn that one, we are chosen by God. God has uh, blessed us with relationship with God. He has chosen to make us one in Christ. But this is what stands out to me in verses one or three through six. We are chosen by God. We are chosen by God. It says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we know Jesus, because you can know Jesus. If you don't already, you have access to every spiritual blessing because every spiritual blessing already belongs to Jesus. That's what he's saying here in this exact moment. He has blessed us uh, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That word there is going to be used. That phrase there in Christ or with Christ is used so many times in this book to equate your relationship right with God to the same relationship that God has with Jesus if you know Jesus. That is the beginning of this argument here. Because you know Jesus, you can know God. And because God God knows and loves and approves of his son, if Jesus has welcomed you in, then God views you the same way he views his son, Jesus. All right, and God has a lot of awesome things to say about his son. It's like the whole point of the Bible. But um, God has chosen us. And I know there's a lot of like debate about that word predestination. By the way, that, that word isn't actually, um, you know, we, we often attribute people like uh, Calvin or, or, or scholars like Martin Luther or, or, or people all throughout church history who have particular takes on it. This is actually just a biblical idea, the idea that God has ruled over all things for all time and he has chosen uh, us in his good will uh, to call us to himself. This isn't like a theological opinion. This isn't just like a perspective. This is straight from scripture that God has ruled over all things in all time, and he chose you by name. Before what? Before what, it says here? Before the foundation of the world. Before you knew who you were, 
before you even had a thought in your brain, God chose to make you his own if you're following Jesus and if you know him. God is not an impersonable force of nature, right? So often we think of God like a cloud or like an avalanche or like a tree or like grass or like vapor in the wind, right? Just here today, gone tomorrow, right? Tree that comes and goes, right? Like a storm that passes or whatever, but uh, God's not like that, all right? God is not like that. God is not an impersonable force of nature. He is the ruler and the creator of all things and he knows who you are and he chose you before he started making the world. Absolutely crazy. God is a personal God. He loves you. He cares for you. He's not here today and gone tomorrow. He didn't pick you out of pity. He didn't pick you because you thought you needed some extra attention. He picks you because he chose in his goodwill to make you more like Jesus, to promote the name of Jesus above all things. God uh, picked you and chose you. Sometimes I think we have the wrong perspective on God. Uh, God's not like... Uh, a girl in the corner that like is desperately hoping, gentlemen, that you ask her the homecoming, pick me, pick me, please. Right? Okay. Maybe not the guys in this room. Okay. Maybe let's switch it here to make it funnier. Uh, God is not like one of our seniors or juniors. I'm not going to say who. I'm just kidding. Um, God is not like somebody that you, uh, that is just desperately wanting to be picked to be on the team, right? Who's desperately wanting to go out on a date or desperately wanting uh, attention or affection. God is the ruler and the creator of the universe and he chose you. It is an important perspective to have. This shouldn't lead us to pride. This shouldn't lead us to feel like, awesome, this is sweet. I've been chosen by God if I'm following after Jesus Christ. If I understand that he's the only way to heaven, he's the only uh, way, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Great, I'm awesome now. No, what does it say? In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. All of this is for God's glory, not our own personal glorification. All of these truths are for God's glory, but how does that change your heart knowing that God picked you? There may be a few times in your life where you felt overlooked. There may be a few times in your life where you felt like you weren't good enough. There may have been a few times in your life where you didn't feel like anything worth loving. And the reality is, God didn't pick you because you're super awesome. God didn't pick you because you needed more attention. God picked you because he wanted to glorify his son, Jesus Christ, in and through you. But needless to say, he chose you. If you're following after him, if you love him, if you know him, he has chosen you. You are not a random accident. You are not some sort of um, like small part of a machine that just is supposed to be here to produce things and to uh, find joy and happiness in the things that you can buy or the things that you can build. God chose you if you're following after him. Uh, There's this scholar I I read this week. I like this quote a lot. It's from John Stott is this guy's name. He's super smart. And it says this, God put us, read this on the screen with me. It says, God put us and Christ together in his mind. He determined to make us who did not yet exist, his own children through the redeeming work of Christ, which had not yet taken place. This is a crazy, wonderful idea before the foundations of the world in God's beautiful, glorious plan. He would make us like him. Look at verse four. Adoption to himself. In love, he predestined us for adoption. 
In this day and age, um, if you were adopted in the ancient Near East, you could not have been unadopted. All right, does that make sense? Uh, in this day and age, if you were adopted, right, if you were born from another family, you were adopted into a new one, uh, you had every single right as the family who adopted you, and they legally could not disown you. They could disown their own kids, but they legally couldn't disown someone who was adopted. And when God says that you're adopted into his family, it means he has chosen you and he can't unchoose you. He can't like shoo you away. He has chosen you to be near him and to be known by him and to have the son, Jesus Christ, glorified in and through you. Um, I had a f- friends that I know and I love and I care for a lot. This is kind of a funny story. And um, I don't think they'd mind me telling this. They're not in the room or anything, but um, they got really excited. They talked to us in our small group the other day. They're like, man, we really, we really want a dog. I was like, oh, that's super cute. We have a dog and he's a little terror sometimes. We like him a lot. We keep him. And um, they wanted to adopt a dog from a local shelter. And um, they were just like kind of theoretically talking about it. And then one day they just texted us a picture of a dog in their house. And they said, look what we did today. And we're like, whoa, brand new dog. Super cute. So cool, right? Um, now they have, and they had a cat um, who is uh, with them at the time. Sorry, they have a cat still, but they had a cat at the time. That, that story wasn't going where you thought it was going. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Um, but anyways, uh, they were really excited. They kind of went all in and they were like, we've never owned a dog before, but we're going to make it work. And they're like asking us for advice and stuff like that. And they're like, all right, the only thing is our cat's like a really big scaredy cat. And um, we don't know anything about this dog because he was adopted. He was at the pound recently and he just got adopted and everything. And uh, I asked him like, how's it going? They're like, he's good. He's a little aggressive sometimes with the cat. And with other dogs, and whenever the lights go out, he starts barking, and sometimes he'll steal food, right? And there's all these, like, there's like a laundry list of things happening. But he was a really cute and sweet dog, right? And then a few more weeks go by, I'm like, how's it going? And they're like, it's getting worse. Yeah, yeah, it's not, not going super well. And it was kind of wearing them down a little bit, right? And they adopted this dog, but they made probably the right choice to give it back to the shelter. And someone else adopted him a few weeks later. Um, but all this to say... Sometimes in life, you're confident in your status as a son or the daughter of the king. You're confident in your status as one who's been adopted into the family of God. But maybe your behavior or your attitude, your language, your beliefs, your sin, your doubt, makes you wonder, is God going to, like, return me to sender? (laughs) Like, is God going to just, like, kick me out of the house? God's not like that. When God picks you, when God chooses you, he chooses you for eternity. To be adopted into the family of God is to stay there. How's that supposed to change your outlook on life? When you go to school, when you hang out with friends, when you come to youth group, when you wrestle with anxiety, when you wrestle with self-worth, when you wrestle with eating disorders, when you wrestle with suicidal thoughts, where do you find your identity? You need to confidently look at verses like this and say, I am chosen by God and adopted into his family for a purpose. You would have so much more peace. And I want you to have that peace. I want you to believe that. Look at verse seven. It says, in him, 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he had set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to himself, all things in heaven and things on earth. The second truth that we can believe confidently, uh, if you follow Jesus Christ, you have been freed by Jesus. So first we're chosen by God and we are freed by Jesus. Now God didn't just pick you and be like, boom, awesome, you're saved now, right? God, all people have been saved through the what? Atoning blood of Jesus Christ. All right, this is an important theme all throughout the Old Testament. There is so much important symbolism in that word blood. God needs a sacrifice, an atonement for wrongdoing, right? When one man's blood is shed, another must be uh, shed. In him, we have the redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses. To those who don't know, uh, there is a God. He loves you and he made the world with a plan. But sin and our sin is a simple uh, choice of disobedience. To sin against God is to not listen to his word, to not follow after him. And mankind with free will chose to sin. And there was a separation between God and man, but didn't stay like that. God had a plan, like we see here in verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time, which meaning this was always the plan, to unite all things together. Uh, So Jesus' plan was to make sure that the gap between God and man was mended, and he did that through the work on the cross and his resurrection three days later. By the riches of his grace, it's all about grace. It is all about grace that God has freely given to us. And if you believe in Christ, you will be freed from those things that separated you from God. Jesus has redeemed the wages of our sin forever and has permanently healed the relationship. This is Jesus, God's son with a plan. Look at what it says here in verse nine, making known to us the mystery of his will. So many people are like, what's the will of God for my life? What is God's will? Oh, if God, be, if God wills it. There are so many references here in this verse, right? It says three times in all these passages, according to the purpose of his will, for his purposes. And it says, in Jesus, the mystery of God's will, the way he works, was revealed. And that's what Paul is reminding us today through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God's plan for your life is to be freed by Jesus. If you turn from your sins, you repent and embrace him. You will never be unadopted from his family. You will never be left alone again. And you will never have to have the chains of sin and death upon you again. In him, we have redemption through his blood. So much about what we do comes back to what we believe. And what we believe determines our outlook on others and it determines our outlook for ourselves. And you need to believe as a Christian that you are forgiven by God. You need to believe that you've been forgiven by God. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Now, here's a few, um, here's a few scenarios for you, right? It's easy for us to fill in the blank with I am statements, right, about our lives. If you look at yourself in the mirror, if you think about your life, if you think about uh, the things that you've gone or things that you are going through, it is easy to look at yourself and think things that aren't true. As a Christian, look up here. Uh, It's very easy to think, man, I am a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy of love. All right, it's easy to think that. 
Or it's easy to think, okay, I'm dirty. I might as well keep sinning because I've already started sinning. Or man, I'm an angry person. I can't serve in the capacity that I want to because I'm angry. And the enemy wants you to believe all those things. And the enemy wants you to forget passages like this completely. The enemy wants you to have spiritual amnesia, to forget your identity as somebody who has been freed by Jesus. And this passage gives us a new perspective and a dangerous perspective for the spirit of the age. If you believe these verses, you can confidently say, in him, I have redemption through his blood and I have been freed by Jesus. Your permanent position is one who's been chosen by God and forgiven by God if you know Jesus. You don't have to keep sinning. You've been forgiven. Right? You don't have to be crippled by anxiety and guilt because of the things you've done. You've been forgiven. You don't have to be worried to come to a small group and confess your sins and just push away from the church whatsoever. You've been forgiven. This room is full of sinners who have been forgiven by Jesus. And I've been reminded even this week that, that we have to watch our language about that, right? This isn't something that like happened and like I have to like do it again and I have to keep like asking God for forgiveness and he keeps on like giving me little bits of forgiveness. The atoning work of Christ was for your sins, past, present, and future. Though we repent, though we ask for forgiveness, that is absolutely true. God has forgiven you. That relationship has been restored through what? Through his blood. Forgiveness isn't like a theoretical idea or a suggestion. It is necessary. It is needed in order to have union with Christ. It's simple. I can't say it better than the Bible says it. But I can remind you and I can encourage you that these truths will change your heart and your perspective on yourself if you believe them. You have been freed by Jesus. This is a permanent standing. It's not a temporary fad, a fleeing title. It's not something that was here today and it's gone tomorrow. We have been freed by Jesus. You don't have to keep struggling with sin. You don't have to keep looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm a dirty evil and bad person, you can look at yourself and know confidently that you have been freed by the one who made it possible. And then finally, we have a couple verses here in verses 11 through 14. So we see that we're chosen by God, freed by Jesus. And there's another awesome promise here. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance having uh, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance to the counsel of his will. God's in control of all things. That's what he keeps on saying. God's in control of all things. And this is what he did for you. Verse 12, so that we who were the first hope in Jesus Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Remember, this is the first century here. These are the first people who have known Jesus. They saw him, many of them. They understood him. They walked with him and talked with him. And uh, we have that same faith and hope today. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, some translations say the inheritance, or excuse me, it says the, the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You were chosen by God, you were freed by Jesus, and finally you were sealed by the Spirit. If you're sending a package, right? I don't know if you've um, thought about what you're getting your friends for Christmas, maybe a friends who live far away. Uh, it's really important, I've learned this the hard way, to package 
your like gifts very carefully and to seal them, make sure they're completely sealed. I sent a, a, a gift to my friend a couple years ago and I like didn't check that the tape was on super well. Apparently I had it opened, but they had found the gift, but it was a little smashed. And I was like, this is super sad. Seal your Christmas presents really well, kids, if you send gifts to your friends and family. But um, that word there, sealed, it's this permanent uh, solution that keeps you safe. Being sealed means that you're being held together by God with the power of God. You are sealed with the Spirit. We've all received a gift in Jesus. We've received an inheritance, right? We have an inheritance coming to us and we have a gift and an inheritance right now. And that's the Holy Spirit. God hasn't just called you to live a godly life and say, hey, good luck with that. God gave you a gift to help you live that Christian life to the fullest. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's what, um, that's what this letter is saying right here. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit in whom is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Meaning until we completely possess salvation, you know, we're still in the process of being saved. I don't know if you've thought about it like this, but we are all still being saved until we are with Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit seals us until we fully see our inheritance, which is Christ in all of his glory. If God chose you, if he saved you, he's going to keep you forever and he's going to keep you sealed with the spirit. He has called you by his spirit and he keeps you with his spirit and he guides you and directs you because God doesn't forget about his children. God doesn't forget about you. God doesn't look at the pain you're going to and says, this is worthless, this is pointless. God doesn't look at you and all of your sin that you're struggling with right now and think, okay, maybe I should like give up on this one. No, he has sealed you. He has promised that he would be with you. And in this life, there's so many temptations to look at your life, to look at who you are and to find your identity in all of the things of this world, to find your identity in the sports that you do, to find identity in the school that you're going to, to find identity in how much you serve God rather than finding identity in God. It's easy to find your identity in a group of people. It's easy to find your identity in parents. But what happens when all of those things go wrong? It's easy to find your identity in another person, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but what happens when the breakup happens, all right? It's easy to find yourself with an identity that says, man, I'm a really good student, but what happens when you fail a couple classes? Am I still, is that still me, right? It, like, it's easy to find yourself as an athlete and a high, like, achieving athlete, but what happens when that unexpected injury happens that puts you in a cast for six months, right? What happens when these things that you find your identity in change? Where will you find yourself? What will you be? And if you're anything like me, when I was in high school or middle school, I had already had a few run-ins with wondering who I was. And I already had a few moments in my life where I had to question, who am I? And I'm here to tell you that your identity can be found in nobody else other than the one who called you by name, who freed you by the gift of his son and has sealed you by his spirit. And when you believe those things, you are going to find true purpose and true joy. And it is a free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. This is the main idea. I am chosen by God for a purpose. There's purpose to your life. There's a plan for your life. God has specifically chosen you to be called to himself. And so the question is, do you believe all these things about God? And do you believe these things about you? Or do you believe what the world says about you? Where are you looking for your identity? Where are you looking for your affirmation? 
Are you believing in the truths of scripture or are you believing in the things that the world has to say about you? Because the things of this world are temporary. The, the, the feast that you eat on of the things of this world will rot in your mouth. The things that you put your hope in and trust in, you find your identity in, will fall and fail. But if you believe these three truths, you can confidently walk throughout life knowing I am chosen by God for a purpose. And maybe tonight is the first time you've ever heard or thought of anything like this. And it's very simple, right? I didn't need 30 minutes to explain it. I can explain it in two seconds. God in my place. That's the truth of the gospel. God in my place. Gospel in four words. God in my place. That's where you find your purpose. Jesus stood in the place we all should have been. A sinner accused. We should have been. Jesus wasn't a sinner and he was still wrongfully accused on our behalf. And so if you're wondering about these things, I'm telling you, tonight could be the night where you turn and embrace Jesus in faith, a belief that God can reconcile all things to himself, even you. Believe these truths, Christian. You are called by God, you're freed by Jesus, and you are sealed by his spirit, right? This is the Trinity. This is the entire Godhead here in these few verses, all having to say things about you. Yes, you. Not for anything that you've done, not because you're awesome, not because God was like, yeah, you know what? They've just been really doing a great thing. I think maybe I'll do this. No, to promote his son, Jesus, in you, called you, forgave you, sealed you. So why don't you bow your heads with me? And if you're in the room and you're like, man, I have, I just, I need this. I need salvation. I need to embrace Jesus in faith. Uh, there's no magic words. This is belief uh, that God is ruling over all things and that you can know him. And so would you pray with me here? God, we love you. We're thankful for the time that we get to spend together. I pray that uh, for the person in the room who is recognizing their need for uh, salvation, they're recognizing their need for you. Uh, I pray that uh, you would remind them that what your, your word says, that in the spirit of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And that you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but that of a sound mind. And so would you draw close to um, friends in the room who are um, wondering and they're questioning and they're asking these big questions about the Bible. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself uh, to them tonight. God, I pray for the brothers and sisters who have been following Jesus for a long time. Uh, I pray that you would remind them this is who uh, they are in you, right? It's not about them. It's not about patting themselves on the back, but this is who they are when they are found in you. I pray that we would believe these truths and that it would guide us through life. And uh, Lord, we pray all these things. Jesus, your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. So why don't you stand to your feet? Um, we're gonna sing a new song. Joe's gonna read a passage for us that kind of talks about that. But uh, these are all truths that you can confidently say uh, if you follow after Jesus. So yeah.